Well, it's good to be with you. Uh, even though, like he said, we kind of perch a little ways down the road here, we do. Uh, uh, we work out of the Atlanta airport, traveling all around the world. And as you know, Atlanta is the biggest airport in this hemisphere. So it really facilitates our travel all the way down to the region and then also over uh, at times into Africa, Europe, and, and Asia. Um, this uh, song really is uh, our theme song. And I hope as I give you just a brief report, you will be saying with us, God indeed has um, been uh, generous and faithful to the work, even in these difficult last 18 months or so of COVID. Uh, back in March of 2020, uh, when all of this kind of began to unravel, I was down in Columbia teaching two back-to-back -back courses in one of our candidate training centers. And each day I would see the news and as things were kind of crescendoing, I was wondering, will I get back over the border to be with my husband? Uh, we didn't really care which side of the border, we just kind of wanted to be on the same side of the border. <laughs> and um, I remember uh, during that time, the Colombian uh, money devalued rapidly against the dollar. Uh, quite a few investors went bankrupt overnight, and even the guy that was hosting me, he and his wife were getting ready to purchase their very first home, very excited, and they had to abort the process right in the middle of the week. Um, when I got to the airport, security layers had been added, and... Um, uh, one of the questions was, have you been in the U.S. in the last 14 days? And I thought, oh dear, they're not going to let me on this flight. Uh, but anyway, it took me over two years, to, uh, two, two hours to complete the, the security process. Uh, and there were flights being canceled all around us. So when I landed in Fort Lauderdale, uh, someone texted me and they said, are you, in, are you on the continent? I said, yes, I am. They said, okay, well then, now I'll tell you, uh, they just canceled all the flights from Europe. So we were very grateful uh, to be together. But we thought this would be short-lived uh, and a few canceled uh, teaching gigs and uh, trips overseas and we'd back, be back up at it in the normal way. But instead, like many of you, we've learned the ins and outs of Zoom. Uh, uh, my daughter showed me how to uh, erase wrinkles and um, uh, get rid of chins, so I was very grateful for her for that. Uh, figured out, you know, the best lighting when you have to record a long series. Uh, I've learned how to work with the cat walking across with the tail up in the air, hoping it doesn't, you know, show up in the camera. And just this last week, I cracked my computer screen when the thing holding my notes went whack right in the middle of a teaching thing. Uh, throughout our 17 years in the Latin American region, uh, we've been doing at least 50% 50, 50 of our work uh, long distance because we are working with so many different countries and we're in constant interaction with missions directors, candidates, pastors, and international workers all over the world. But the big shift for us was just that we had to shift all of the teaching and training um, portions onto online. But you know, that's not all bad. That's not my favorite way to teach, but it's not all bad. You have to find the, the good in it. The good has been that we have found that uh, training that would only maybe impact one country has allowed, like the last training we did a candidate training, usually it would be just for one country. Uh, candidates from four different countries were on there, and then that allowed the, them to interact, and it made the situation, the whole thing, uh, richer. Um, we've also... Uh, 
been able to do missions conferences where before it would just be with a local church. Just in uh, a few weeks ago, we did one where the church actually invited people from 11 different countries to participate. And that was a real encouragement because people were able to see how this church is um, raising up um, international workers and sending them. And even this weekend as I'm here with you, I'm actually participating in a missions conference with 12 churches in Lima, Peru. So um, there are, thanks to Zoom, you can be a lot of places at once. Uh, now on the, the, the heart of the matter that really, really concerns us is we love working with the candidates and the missions directors. And when COVID hit, we were very, very concerned because we were perched to send about 20 Latin American workers out last year. And um, economically, things really hit, and a lot of people passed away in our churches. And in, in those countries, we raise funds when the basket is passed in front of people. And when churches closed and they did not have online systems of giving, um, the churches were severely impacted, as was missions giving. So you can imagine the ramifications of all of that. And on top of that, the AWF leader for all of Latin America, he and his whole family got sick with COVID and were just kind of out of the running for giving leadership right in the key time. So the coordinator of the missions directors got us all together and we brainstormed together, we encouraged one another, we shared resources, we came up with a best practices docu document. And by God's grace, uh, not a single Latin American missionary was brought back from the field during this whole COVID time. They've all been sustained financially on the field. And this was no easy task because Argentina, for example, they started off with eight pesos to the US dollar. It devalued to 98 pesos to the US dollar. And they have to pay their international workers in dollars. So you all figure that one out. It's like the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, 5, <clears throat> um, so the, the CLAW president, when he finally got back on his feet, he received this report and was greatly encouraged uh, as to see the kind of work that had been done on the part of the leaders. Uh, one country reported that missions giving in 2020 equaled that of 2019. And this is in a country where all their businesses shut down. And when they say quarantine, they mean quarantine. You can't even go and take a walk on a street in that country. They literally have to walk around their own yards if they have one. So just in the last couple of months, uh, a Chilean couple was headed to Jordan in March of 2020. The man had gone ahead. He was going to um, find housing and set things up. His wife and two young kids were going to join them. And he got caught over there just a few days in. Flights all canceled. They were separated for three months. Um, and he was able to get back home. And now they're preparing and will be leaving in about two weeks to Jordan. There are eight more lined up uh, to leave to Central Asia, North Africa, and the Middle East before the end of this year. Uh, Ecuador just recently sent three workers out to West Africa in the last month. They're still actually putting their houses together, establishing uh, language learning uh, systems. And then there's many other couples. There's another couple waiting for visas to return to the Middle East. Three others are in a holding pattern waiting for the political situation uh, to kind of jive so they can figure out how to get their visas. Um, we're aware of at least nine Latin American countries that are sending missionaries. And I thought it'd be interesting for you to kind of hear some 
overall numbers. Of, from these nine countries, they're sending workers out to 11 other South and Central American countries, eight European and Central European countries, two Middle Eastern countries, eight African countries, four of which are in North Africa, and 11 Asian and Central Asian countries. So as we enter our seventh term of service with the CNMA, these are churches that have been planted by our international workers that went out, are now their own strong national churches, and they are sending out um, workers. We are so very, very grateful for the tra trajectory of growth that we see in missions training, sending, and supporting. We're seeing strong leadership develop, and uh, we feel very, very grateful that we get to be a part in handing people tools, encouraging, and um, that we even get to stick around long enough to witness this type of growth. Um, would you especially pray uh, for the Ecuadorians who've just landed in West Africa, going through a lot of adjustments, and for these Chileans that will just be going out in the next couple months? Those transition months of arrival and establishing are are pretty critical. It's also the time when discouragement can set in. Thank you very much. Let's just go ahead and pray for those. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much for uh, all that you've done for us. You are so good. You are uh, all-powerful. And with you, nothing is impossible. We thank you for that fact. And uh, Lord, we thank you that we can serve you and uh, that you, your spirit works mightily through us. And Father, I just ask that you will be with these uh, candidates. Uh, some have just newly arrived to their areas of, of labor. Lord, that uh, they will learn the language quickly and the culture, and uh, that uh, you will just uh, prepare each step each day. Uh, for those who are still in the preparation process, Lord, I just ask that you will continue to uh, advance the giving in those countries and that the vision will remain strong and that uh, they will eventually uh, be able to step through the open doors uh, to the places of work that you have uh, already planned out for them to be. And Father, we thank you as we sung, we, we sang earlier, the great is your faithfulness that you are indeed faithful. And so we just commit uh, uh, not only those things that are happening around the world, but even now as I open my mouth that uh, the words will come forth will be your words. And uh, Lord, we just entrust that to you as well. In Jesus' precious name, amen. It's good to see so many familiar faces out there, and uh, I'm just so uh, glad to be a part of a group like you, uh, and want to thank you personally for the way that you have been so faithful over the years in, in supporting Alliance Missions. And uh, uh, this morning, I do have two passages of Scripture. We're not going to take the time to read them fully. Uh, one is found over in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Uh, just going to reference, uh, uh, actually I have two verses four through six, but I just want to focus on, on verse six first, uh, where we read, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. 
focusing on the fact that we are seated in the heavenly places. And then the other passage is a very familiar passage to all of us, found over in Matthew chapter 28, a passage that we all call the Great Commission. Uh, And uh, that Great Commission is where Jesus tells us that we have all authority. And uh, just keep in mind all the alls in there. It's good southern all, you know, at uh, all authority. All authority we have to go to all nations to teach all that Jesus commanded us to teach. And uh, all of Jesus for all the world. That is our theme for missions this year. Uh, Seems simple, doesn't it? It really isn't. In the Alliance alone, I think we have over well over 120 years, no doubt, of missionary themes. Uh, a theme back in the day of right at the turn of the 20th century, in fact, that was quite common for many of the uh, larger denominations and sending organizations was the the uh, taking uh, the, uh, the evangelization of the world in our generation. They really believed that within their generation, they could take all of Jesus to all the world. In fact, uh, it's even said that uh, Simpson actually believed that uh, if a church was filled with uh, spirit-filled people, that within a period of 10 years, uh, we would be able to evangelize the world. Uh, But two world wars later, and a lot of other stuff has happened, and it appears that missions has become uh, more difficult Uh, more complicated and not easier. Well, over the past years, several years, I have found myself especially uh, teaching on uh, throughout South America uh, more and more about the early alliance. And now there is a growing desire in our churches to understand the historical perspective of the beliefs and practices of uh, of the early years of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And I think that is very healthy. Uh, Arnold Cook, who was a, a previous missionary to Peru and later became the, one of the presidents of the Alliance in Canada, is no longer with us, but uh, authored a book titled uh, Historical Drift, uh, where he outlines how people and churches and denominations and even seminaries uh, can drift from their goals and their original intent, intent or moorings without even noticing it until it was too late. And even though I don't always ascribe to uh, viewing the past as always best, I do believe that in some ways we have drifted in some significant ways. I read an interesting uh, editorial uh, recently about why millennials and young people today really are leaving the church. And here are some of the reasons. Interestingly enough, one was that we want to be known for what we stand for, not what we are against. Another is that we want to ask questions that don't have predetermined answers. And uh, a third one was quite interesting to me. We want to be challenged to live lives of holiness, not only when it comes to sex, but also when it comes to living simply, caring for the poor and oppressed, pursuing reconciliation, engaging in creation care, and becoming peacemakers. And then we are leaving the church because we no longer find Jesus there. Now, the early alliance was characterized as a holiness movement, a deeper life movement, and a Christocentric, Jesus Christ our Savior, uh, sanctifier, healer, and coming king. All three of these 
led to a movement that was strong in social reform and the social uh, meeting the social injustices uh, issues of its day, as well as engaged in worldwide efforts to reach the world for Christ. And for Simpson, all theology had to relate to life and how it applied to Christian living all throughout the world. For the alliance, holiness, and sanctification, and the deeper life always results in active service for the kingdom of God. Throughout the South American region, Jesse and I have taught many good missiological truths and uh, to our mission leaders as well as to our candidates. Uh, Themes such as the importance of the call, uh, how to develop effective missionary strategies, or how to evangelize effectively, or the importance of proper training, and what kind of training, uh, what is the role of the local church, uh, how to work on a team, and many, many more of these. And all of these are necessary and very important. But I think that as, just as important as these topics are, the most important is to develop our personal relationship with God. Until we understand who we are in Christ and we develop in our personal relationship with God, we will not be able to take all of Jesus to all the world. Tozer, in one of his books uh, of God and Man, writes this, The popular notion that the first obligation of the church is to spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth is false. Her first obligation is to be spiritually worthy to spread it. First things must come first. Spiritual preparation must precede physical activity. And we cannot confuse physical activity with effectiveness. We cannot forget that the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people depends on spiritually prepared people. There is a process, and first things do come first. It's what we tell our candidates out of South America. Uh, you don't just go overseas after your studies and expect that you're going to start planting churches. You must first live with the people. You must first eat their food. There's going to be a lot of times when you're going to uh, get sick, and you're going to be scammed a few times. You're going to endure the climate, and you're going to make all the necessary adjustments. You're going to learn the language, and you're going to learn the culture. And it can be a brutal process, but only then can we move on to the next stage. And so to take all of Jesus to all the world, what is that process? Now, there's strong emphasis in the early alliance uh, to live the highest Christian life, which was characterized by three things, depth, height, and depth, or breadth. Depth, height, and breadth, or going wide. And I'd like us to focus on those three things this morning for a few minutes. Uh, the theme of the Alliance World Fellowship this year is going deeper and going beyond, or going deep in order to go wide. Now, what does that mean? It means that if we are going to take all of Jesus to all the world, there are some important steps that we need to take that need to happen first. We need to first go deep. And I would contend that we need to not only go deep, but to go high, and then we can go wide. And that takes us back to what I feel is part of the historical drift that I was speaking about earlier. Are we still truly a holiness movement today?
The Alliance was birthed in that holiness movement that began in the middle of the 19th century which, with this emphasis on sanctification. And out of that movement also came the uh, Higher Life Movement or the Keswickian Movement out of Keswick, England. And when you look at the, if you look it up on, in Wikipedia, you will find the name of the Christian Missionary Alliance there. We are a deeper life and a higher life movement, and this results in, in great impact for missions. We often mix those two terms, the deeper life and the higher life. And an Alliance historian, Paul King, wrote saying that the Alliance frequently uses the term the deeper life. And that's true. In my 63, almost 64 years, that's what I've always heard, the deeper life, the deeper life. But uh, the it said that for Simpson, the language that he used was more frequently the higher life. For Simpson, the deeper life was the first step towards the higher life. And uh, for my purposes this morning, uh, what I want to share, I, I want to, even though for many of us, the deeper life is really what we mean when we say the higher life, and there is a lot of confusion there, but I, I want to maintain a separation between those, those three, the deeper, well, the two, the deeper life and the higher life. And the deeper life is basically the act of, of surrendering oneself, one's will, to, uh, to, the, to Jesus Christ and uh, also the subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's dying to yourself and living for Christ. When we surrender everything to Jesus, we die to ourselves and to our own desires. Sometimes God even has to take us through difficult moments, uh, at times of suffering, uh, to bring us to that point of total submission to Him. Many of you have heard my own personal testimony of how, what happened to me as a young man uh, when I was attacked by a hippopotamus in Africa, and how God miraculously saved my life. And it was through that event where I eventually gave my life, yielded everything over to the purpose of God for me. We must take that step and go deeper, dying to ourselves. In the Alliance website, we read, uh, we find a definition of the deeper life. It is a commitment to a growing, abiding relationship with Jesus that propels us to complete his last command on earth, his great commission. When you give yourself over to the lordship of Jesus Christ, his will becomes your will. His desire becomes your desire. Some might even argue that that is all you need. Go deep, go wide. Go deep, go wide. And many are serving God today in many difficult areas of the world because they have read the Great Commission, and in obedience to that commission, they have left everything to serve God. Obedience to God's commission uh, in the church has been a very strong motivation uh, for service, for missions. There's a sense of obligation and duty. Uh, but I believe there's more. Uh, I believe that, uh, I don't believe that that's the only motivation for us. Uh, we must also ask the Spirit of God to also give us His love, His passion, His compassion, or we're going to burn out in service. And that is why, for me, it's not just enough to go deep. That is a, that's the most important, first important step, to surrender your will to the will of God. But we must ask for more. 
I also want to go higher. And for Simpson, that meant entering into the throne room of God, knowing him and having his power to serve others with his love, with his peace, with his joy, with his compassion. And the problem is I don't always feel that love and peace and joy and, and compassion for others. And uh, how do we get this? And that means, I, I believe that means that we need to go high. This means seeking a new and a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit on a daily level. And uh, this involves much prayer and seeking to know God's mind and desire for us, his purpose for us. A.B. Simpson once said, if you fill yourself with God, there will be no place for you. And as we spend time in God's presence, and as we are filled with His Spirit, we begin to know God's mind, His will, and His heart as we begin to see things through His eyes. For many years, I served God as a, first as a pastor, and then later on uh, on the mission field, uh, mostly out of a sense of obedience to the call obedience to fulfilling the Great Commission. But over time, I became dissatisfied with that, and I began praying, Lord, help me to see the world as you see it. Help me to weep for the lost as you weep for the lost. And I began praying this prayer on a regular basis. And I remember some months into this, I was, we went on our home assignment, and I was on a, on a tour, missions tour. And uh, I, I one morning, I was sitting in the, uh, the pastor's office where I was staying, and I was having my quiet time and uh, was praying the same words over and over again, Lord, help me to see the world as you see it, and help me to uh, weep for the lost as you weep for the lost. And suddenly, it seemed as if the world, the weight of the world came down on my shoulders, and, and, uh, and I began to weep. And I began not just weep, I was wailing. And I began, the only words that could come out of my mouth were, they're lost, they're lost, they're lost. All day long, it was that way, weeping, weeping. You see, my life changed since then. God's concern became my concern. His passion became my passion. His desire became my desire. Now, I know there are some people we, uh, that are, seem to be more heavenly-minded than they are of earthly good. And that is not the purpose of the deeper or the higher life. Those who truly know God are, I believe, his hardest workers on earth. Because his love has now become their love. And the things that he is passionate for has become their passion. I want that. I want more of his love. I want more of his passion and compassion. I want to weep for the lost. And I, I want more faith. Paul wrote to, to the Galatian church in chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, uh, the newer translations all say, I live by faith in the Son of God. But the King James Version says, I live by faith of the Son of God. 
There's a difference. I live by faith of the Son of God. And, and commenting on this, uh, Oswald, Oswald Chambers states that Paul did not mean faith in Jesus, but rather the faith of the Son of God, which is the faith that Jesus himself exercised that as the Son of God, which is the complete, perfect faith. In other words, the faith that we can experience is the same faith that Jesus had. If we truly believe that Jesus lives in us, and we have his spirit for, for doing all the work. That we have his spirit and his help to, he's empowered us. And that we can have access to his love. And that we can have access to his passions and all of that. Why not his faith? Lord, increase our faith. That's what the disciples said in, in Luke chapter 17. And if you recall, uh, the, the father of the, of the demonic, uh, the, of, of the, the boy who was uh, possessed by demons, when Jesus said, do you believe? He said, increase my belief. You know, I'm often like that. My faith, too, is often challenged and it's weak. And if we believe that the Spirit of Jesus is actually dwelling in us, we have access not only to his love and all the other things, the power and all that, that we need, but we also, I believe, have access to that faith. If faith is lacking, ask for the faith of Jesus that empowers us to even move mountains, a faith that moves mountains. So how do I enter into the throne room of God? How do I know his passion and his purpose for the world? Well, in Ephesians, what I read uh, in, the, in the first part of, of this talk, in Ephesians chapter 2, we read that he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So when we look at Galatians 2 and we look at Ephesians 2, we see some interesting things. With Christ... I am crucified. With Christ, we have life. With Christ, we are risen. With Christ, we live, we are in heavenly places. With Christ, with Christ, with Christ. Knowing Christ is to know the Father. And we enter into the throne room of God with Christ. I believe that we should be always seeking more and more of God to know him and to grow in him. And I'm reminded of the words of the, of the, pop, uh, of the uh, old hymnal, Higher Ground. In fact, that was the theme song of the Higher Life Movement. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm heavenward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. We should never stop seeking more and more of God to know him. And once we surrender ourselves to God's purposes, then Jesus lifts us up through the renewing feeling of the Holy Spirit where we experience his joy, his peace, his love, overcoming sin, and effectively resisting the efforts of Satan. This is what Jesus called the abundant life in John 10.10, 10, where he said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And so the first step is total surrender, going deep. Total surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. And then the next step is going high. We enter into his presence daily to be filled by his spirit, to live life with Christ. And this is how I receive a portion of his love and the compassion and all that I need to do what he has called me to do. Even his faith. 
because my love, my compassion, and my faith are not always enough. And now we can go wide. We can take all of Jesus to all the world. Now the world needs Christ more than ever before. The world we live in is not getting any better. In fact, I believe it's getting worse. COVID has caused many to lose their jobs. Poverty and hunger are on the rise. Wars destabilizing countries. Uh, immigration is on the rise. Uh, many immigrants have lost everything and have, to, have had to start over elsewhere. Uh, religious persecution is also on the rise. There are still thousands of unreached people groups who have never had the pop possibility of hearing for the very first time the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many countries are facing political instability. Uh, we heard what Jesse shared earlier about what's happening in some of our countries and uh, the economy uh, in some of these countries is getting worse. Uh, uh, people are wondering how they can even survive. You might even describe the world as being chaotic. Not long ago, I was listening to a businessman uh, share his strategy for success in business. And what captured my attention in that talk was how he stated that, that some businesses are like a finely tuned automobile, uh, just clicking perfectly on all four or eight cylinders and, and just running perfectly. Uh, yet he said he did not want to be a CEO of a company like that, uh, that was just running perfectly. In the end, the only thing he could do, possibly, would be to mess it up in some way. He said if he had a choice, he would always choose chaos over perfection because there was great opportunity uh, to advance a company in chaos and to make money. Uh, and we've seen this uh, to be true over this past year how many of the larger companies have seemed to have done better than ever before. Now, as I reflected on this, I, I felt like God was telling me that this was what he expects of his church. The purpose of the church is not just to create a mega church where everything is just functioning perfectly with pastors at every level and, and, and nothing going wrong and, 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 and everything is just hunky-dory. That's not the purpose of the church. The church always did better, existed for the needs of the world. It was always in chaos that the church is the strongest. And there is great opportunity today for the kingdom of God to expand in the midst of crisis and chaos. Instead of complaining about how bad the world is or, uh, or trying to escape our current uh, situation, we should rejoice that we are living in those days because that is when we can have the greatest impact for the kingdom of God. We have great opportunity. God expects us to be light in darkness. He expects us to do good in the midst of evil. He expects us to promote justice where there is injustice. He expects us to, to care for the widow and the orphan and to heal the sick. He expects us to act uh, with love in a world of hate. He expects us to demonstrate uh, unity where there is disunity. And he expects us to continue the work of completing the Great Commission in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We must go deep 
then we must go high, and then we can take all of Jesus to all the world. The emphasis of the deeper life uh, didn't cause the, the, the alliance at any, in any way to uh, focus so much on itself as to neglect a mission. Instead, the deeper in the higher life resulted in a body of people who came together for one purpose, to reach the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is and to work harder than ever before. And this is the way it should be for us today. The deeper life should make us pray more, to, to seek more revival, to show more compassion and love towards all, to live a life of self-sacrifice, especially as we uh, give in support of the work of Christ here and around the world. I want to finish with a, a quote by Tozer once more in one of his books, The Pursuit of God, where he says, Within this hour of all but universal darkness, one cheering gleam appears. There are to be found increasing numbers of persons whose religious lives are marked by a growing hunger after God himself. They are eager for spiritual realities. They are a thirst for God and will not be satisfied until they have drunk deep at the fountain of living water. This is the type of people that we need to be in these days. This is the kind of people that we need to be in order to take all of Jesus to all the world. May our hands be his hands and our feet, his feet, our mouth, his mouth. And may God put in you the desire to want more of him, to hunger and thirst after him. And then may God put, give you the strength to achieve the vision that he has called or you to do or what he has put in your heart to accomplish. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We thank you for this church and uh, for each person here, many who have served you faithfully around the world, uh, many who have given their all, many who have given and prayed and given and prayed uh, and, and still keep giving and praying uh, for the accomplishment of your work around the world. And Lord, we just ask that you will put in our hearts a desire still for more, the desire still to know you more, to grow deeper, to give our all uh, as we surrender ourselves daily to you and then to ask for more that we might actually enter into the very throne room to seek your face, to experience uh, the the world as you see it, to know your love, to receive your grace and your, your hope, and uh, that we might understand uh, through your compassion the needs around us so that we might act with compassion and with love to those around us in an effective way. For this is how we can only take all of Jesus to all the world. And now, Father, send us out into the world to do the work that you have given us to do, to love and to serve you as the faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ, to him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen.